Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And confidence. It's a one-of-a-kind event that will give you the tools to take back the key areas of your life. You can continue to try to figure it out on your own, or you can make a change today and begin the journey to a smarter life. It's time to get passionate about your goals, your family's goals, and the goals of your marriage. The best of life is not behind you. The best is yet to come. Take this first step to living smarter. Join us this fall for the Smart Conference. Go to DaveRamsey.com and reserve your seats today. That's DaveRamsey.com. You're listening to KCAA, Loma Linda, California. The best station in the nation. I'm Chris Mauer, CNBC Business Radio. Stocks are higher. The Dow's up 31 points. The Nasdaq up by 20. New home sales rose unexpectedly last month to their highest level in nearly nine years. The Commerce Department says sales rose nearly 12.5% to 654,000 units in July. That's the highest level since October of 2007. Toll Brothers posting a rise in revenue for a fourth straight quarter. The luxury home builder beat analysts' estimates after selling more houses at higher prices. Best Buy reporting an unexpected rise in quarterly comparable store sales. The giant electronics chain sold more appliances and consumer electronics. But J.M. Smucker missed estimates after net sales dropped 7 percent. The company saw a fall in demand for its pet food brands like Kibbles and Bits and Meow Mix. Chris Mauer, CNBC. Safety. If you know me, you know how seriously I take it. I live, eat, and breathe safety. In fact, safety is my middle name. I went to the DMV and changed it last week. First name, Mr. Middle name, Safety. Last name, exclamation point. When it comes to safety, Granger's got my back. They've got over 100,000 safety products. Granger helps keep our facility safe and our people safer. Call clickgranger.com slash safety or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hiring people is probably the worst part of my job. We started using ZipRecruiter about three months ago. One click and my job was posted to 100 plus job boards, all the top sites. All of the candidates came to my dashboard and it's easy to compare them. And I couldn't believe the number of great applicants we got. I don't know how we hired before ZipRecruiter. Find the best candidates with ZipRecruiter, where your job is just one click away from 100 plus job sites. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash find. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash find. NBC News Radio. I'm Tom Roberts. President Obama is visiting Baton Rouge to get a first-hand look at areas devastated by floods. I just had a chance to see some of the damage 
uh, from uh, the historic floods here in Louisiana. Uh, I come here first and foremost to say that the prayers of the entire nation are with everybody who lost loved ones. Louisiana was slammed by more than two feet of rain more than a week ago, leading to floods that killed more than a dozen people and damaged tens of thousands of homes. A new report claims some Clinton Foundation donors were allowed special access to the State Department during Hillary Clinton's tenure there. ABC News says a review of previously undisclosed emails between the Foundation and the State Department show a top official with the Foundation served as a go-between on behalf of donors seeking access. A weekend stabbing in Virginia may have been inspired by ISIS. The FBI is investigating the attack in Roanoke. Witnesses say the attacker yelled Allah Akbar before running from the scene. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. Speculation is growing that Donald Trump is softening his views on immigration. Trump was set to deliver a major speech on his immigration policies this week in Colorado, but that's been delayed. You know, we inherited this schedule, and although I think it's a great idea to have that kind of speech and certainly put together a full plan, immigration is such a complex issue, and Mr. Trump has been taking the counsel of many different people on this. Campaign manager Kellyanne Conway spoke on Fox News' Fox & Friends this morning. More people are dying on the nation's highways. The National Safety Council reports more than 19,000 people died in wrecks during the first six months of this year. The group blames a number of factors, including lower gas prices and a stronger economy. The council also says young drivers using social media while driving play a big role in the increase in traffic deaths. A former Fox News co-host is slapping the network with a sexual harassment lawsuit. Andrea Tantaros claims in her lawsuit against the network that behind the scenes, quote, it operates like a sex-fueled playboy mansion-like cult steeped in intimidation, indecency, and misogyny. Tom Roberts, NBC News Radio. Former President Jimmy Carter says after his diagnosis of brain cancer last year, he thought he had just a few weeks to live, despite the optimism he projected. I was putting on kind of a false, optimistic face. I wasn't nearly as certain as, as I might have indicated to news media about I'll be back next year. The former president made the comments yesterday during a news conference in Memphis. In March, the 92-year-old announced he's cancer-free. Hillary Clinton is poking fun at rumors about her health. Back in October, the National Enquirer said I would be dead in six months. Oh, wow. So with every breath I take, I feel like it's a... You have a new lease on life. On ABC's Jimmy Kimmel Live, the Democratic presidential nominee said she doesn't understand why the Trump camp would perpetuate rumors that she's unhealthy. The 68-year-old said it's part of a wacky strategy that doesn't make a lot of sense. Health update, Sarah Lee Kessler, NBC News radio from the kcaa weather center i'm tom ladd for this afternoon it'll be sunny expect a high near 91 a light and variable wind out of the west at 5 to 10 in the afternoon clear tonight with low of 65 it'll be sunny wednesday high near 93 wednesday night clear with the low of 66 the outlook for thursday it'll be sunny high near 91 and clear thursday night expect a low of 64 degrees that's your weather forecast for this hour from kcaa 106.5 fm and 1050 a.m. The stations that leave no listener behind. Hey, it's Larry Burnett reminding you to tune in open season this Thursday. We'll deal with the Dodgers, run with Rams linebacker Alec Ogletree, and talk Olympics with swimming great John Neighbor. Open season, 3.05 p.m. Thursday here on KCAA AM 1050 FM 106.5. Welcome to Smart Health Talk with your host, Elaine McFadden. Take a walk 
Yes, sirree, and I'm your host, Elaine McFadden, and I am here to be your personal dietitian and to help educate you on how to make smart choices that are going to help you feel great, full of energy, hit your ideal weight, feel like you want to exercise and have fun, uh, have great looking skin and hair, and uh, of course, great looking body. Uh, We all want those things, don't we? We want a clear mind. We want to be thinking sharp. We want to have energy because you know why? Because that is what successful people act like. Successful people are not the ones over in the corner asleep that aren't full of enthusiasm and energy and feeling great and alive and like they really want to accomplish something. And that's what I want for our listeners. And I hope that you're going to stick with us this whole hour because we have a great show planned for you today. And we have one of our top scientists in the entire country, uh, Dr. Tyrone Hayes, is going to be here. Uh, We have our interview that we had with him. Uh, He's up at Berkeley. He's a professor there, uh, Dr. Hayes, and many years of experience. Uh, He actually worked with one of the big chemical companies, the biggest in the world. Uh, It started off as Novaris. They then were sold to Syngenta, which is a Swiss Swiss company, and the makers of atrazine, the number two most used pesticide in the country. And trust me, you're eating food every single day with atrazine in it. It could be in your water. Because it's, it's actually in pretty much every single waterway that we test. It accumulates in the environment. It accumulates in your body. Uh, the maker, Syngenta, is in Switzerland. And not one drop of atrazine has ever been used in Switzerland because it's actually banned in all of Europe. And yet it's allowed in the United States on our food. This is one of the most efficient endocrine disruptors that we have ever seen. And if you don't understand what endocrine disruptor is, then you're going to have to want to stay for the show because we're going to be teaching you what that is. And you are going to be so smart by the end of the show because you're going to be listening 
to one of the smartest scientists in the country. And not only that, he is a man with integrity and was willing to stand up even after having his life threatened, his threatening uh, harm to his wife and his child, uh, trying to discredit him and his whole reputation, his entire career, because he would not play ball with him and turn over all his research and sign a contract that said, non-disclosure, I will never talk about this to anybody, and we'll just pretend like my research never happened. And so, so many people go around with this cloud of, of, oh, yes, you know, I don't have to worry about the safety of my food because I know the government is looking out for me and they've tested all these poisons that are being put on my food that I'm eating every day and I... I just know that I can trust the government to make sure that it's completely safe. And I really have to invite you to go to our YouTube, Smart Health Talk, Elaine McFadden. I'm a registered dietitian with a master's in public health and more years than I want to admit in actually working with organics, with farmers. And I have to tell you, it's... um, I'm here today on this radio show because I am so passionate about what is happening. I am passionate about what is happening to the people that I took an oath as a dietitian that I would try and protect. Uh, It is up to me to save lives. I save lives with food, not a scalpel. A little bit different. Takes a lot longer. (laughs) not that much instant gratification when you're dealing with healing with food. But how can I heal with poisoned food and how can I heal with food that is lacking the nutrition that is supposed to be there, but it is not there. And why it is not there is very, very fascinating. Uh, What these pesticides do to kill weeds, uh, they bind minerals, they, they, they actually... People think that they're poisoning the weed somehow, and no, they're actually chelating nutrients in the soil and starving the weed of nutrients. Now, if you don't think that's happening to the plant containing your food that's growing right next to it, we would all be kind of, you know, in some sort of fantasy world, I would think, because of course it's going to have an effect on it. Our number one most used pesticide, Roundup, which the World Health Organization said is cancer-causing because they looked at everything in there, things that are in there. There are hundreds of chemicals in these pesticides that they don't even have to tell you what is in there. And I have had, we actually played uh, the clip last week of which you can find on our YouTube Uh, Dr. Michael Hansen explaining last week about how some of these chemicals can form new chemicals, and one in particular was raising the amount of DDT in the environment uh, because those extra chemicals that they don't have to tell you about because we lost another court case two months ago where we've been fighting and fighting and fighting for the right for people to know what the heck is in these poisons and what they're spraying around their home because if you saw the name of the chemical that was in there 
you could look it up. You could look it up and then you could go, oh my gosh, this chemical is like really toxic. And I'm spraying it around my home and around my family. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. It's cancer causing. So these are the kind of things that these companies are trying to keep from you. None of these manufacturers of poisons. Just think they're in the poison business. So do you really think that we can trust what they're telling the EPA where they say, oh, we're, we're safe. But the, the thing is, we all think that these pesticides have been tested. And if you go to our YouTube and please subscribe, please subscribe to our YouTube because we're adding new videos all the time. And uh, we have Dr. Senef on there as well. Uh, many other scientists that you can listen to. And we're going to start adding a lot more of sound bites of some of the most important things that these scientists have explained to us, like uh, the Dr. Hayes one we had from last week, he actually explained that the EPA wasn't even formed until 1972. And these pesticides were made before then, and none of them have ever been required to submit safety testing. It wasn't until uh, a pesticide had to be it, it was trying to be used for something else. Like, for example, glyphosate, Roundup, was actually used to, to, to get the metal that had corroded inside of pipes to clean it out. And it uses this chelation, which means it binds with it. It sticks to it like glue, and it's able to pull it and carry it out. Well, that's what it's doing to the minerals in the soil and it's making it so the plant can't have it. The plant doesn't get it, and it dies of starvation. But those GMO plants just keep living because they're zombie plants. And they're alive, but they're not alive. They're alive in the sense of the word, but when you really look at what's going on in there, I don't really consider that food that meets my standard in any way, shape, or form. And I want that for you. I want the very best food for you. And people think, oh, Elaine, I just can't afford that. That is so not true. I have so many tips I'm leaving all the time on how to save money on my Facebook account, my Twitter account, my Pinterest account, my Instagram account. Pictures of like, if you join me on, on Instagram, well, it goes to my other accounts too, but I'm showing you the simple way that I live at home because, hey, this girl ate, ate a rich girl, at least not yet, because I got, you know, you're always kind of wishing, right? <laughs> but, you know, I live very modestly, but I eat healthy. And that's because, number one, I put this body that I have right here as number one. The health of my body is everything it's everything because when your body is damaged when it's sick how you know how is life then right is it how we talked about at the beginning of the show energetic happy feeling alive wanting to go do physical kind of things feeling strong feeling like you have a clear mind does that happen when you're sick? 
No, you're just trying to make it through every minute and get to that point where you're well again. That's what everyone wants. They don't want to be sick. And of course, you don't want that. And I don't want that for you. But you have to follow certain rules. And we want it when when we're making choices with our dollars. Are you there, Brandon? Brandon, are you there? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm just talking to our listeners about making choices with their dollars. And they need to make sure that they are making smart choices with their dollars. And they should feel empowered with that dollar because they are changing the world with every single dollar they spend. And can you play that Invincible song for me? Because this is how we should feel every time we're using our dollars. Okay, I want you guys to feel realize the power of that dollar because every single time you spend it, you're giving it to a company. You're supporting their practices, their ethics, their philosophy. Now, do we want to support companies that are forcing us to support people getting paid low wages, slave labor, long hours, you know, just bad working conditions, you know, we don't want to support that. We want to support our local businesses because it keeps our money in our community. And that that should be the most important thing, is keeping our money in our community because that dollar keeps getting spent at one place and then another place and another place. Instead of spending it at Walmart, It then goes to Ireland because that's where their corporate office is because they don't want to pay taxes to our federal government. They want to get out of as many taxes as they possibly can. So why should I support a company that doesn't support my country? The GE, all these big corporations, go look them up. They have relocated their corporate office Know which ones are actually true American companies, at least paying taxes towards our our budget to help our country be a stronger, better company. And so, you know, these, these are the kind of things I want you to think about. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. None of those things matter because every single dollar is powerful. How you choose to give that dollar. And who you choose to give it to changes the world. It changes our food system. And when you start supporting local farmers, buying organic products whenever you can, because what happens when we go to Walmart and we buy it? We're buying so much cheap stuff. I can't believe how many things fall apart. I have a hundred-year-old, over a hundred-year-old dresser here. I tell you, this this sucker is like solid as a rock, and it is in perfect condition after over 100 years. I go buy a piece of furniture today. That stuff is falling apart into multiple pieces, drawers falling apart, door knobs. I mean, the knobs like coming, everything going wrong with it, and I haven't even hardly had it a couple years. <laughs> like, where is the quality? Where is the craftsmanship? It's like we've all been 
brainwashed into believing that the only thing that's really important is getting cheap stuff for the cheapest price possible. I'm telling you, when you got when you got like East Saint Laurent or you got like Calvin Klein or Vera Wang or I mean you got that on your body, you know it. You feel it. You feel the quality of the cloth. You feel the workmanship in the stitching and making that to fit your body. I mean, it's the same way with food. When you're eating quality food, you can tell it's the perfect fit. You can tell it's the best tasting. The texture is right. The sweetness is right or the sourness. All of the things are all right there in place. Start thinking that you are worth it, that you deserve the best. And when you start thinking that way, you make it happen. I guarantee you. I go, uh, it only takes me less than 10 minutes to get to my local farmer's market. It's a small market. But it has a variety. I get eggs. I get meat. I get avocados. I get citrus. I get greens. I get melons. I get peppers. I get sauces. I get breads, granola. I mean, they have so many things there in that little tiny market. And all of it is like just the ultimate. The cost. Some of it is cheaper. Some of it is the same. But again... It comes back to who are you giving your dollars and are you getting the best quality because that body, that body affects every second of your day. It affects what you can do in your life, what your limitations are and what they aren't, what the possibilities are. They are all tied into your body and the health of your body and the capacity of your body to be physical And not just that, but mental. Are you on like 10 different medications? Are you on anti-anxiety drugs? Because you would not be alone. And I wouldn't even, you know, you shouldn't feel ashamed of that. Because one in four women are on an anti-anxiety medication. One in four are kids. We are giving them antidepressants, our children, Redolin, Speed, all of these drugs. You know, because they are autistic. And this is all tied into pesticides. And if you listen to our videos on our YouTube, you will be so wise to what the heck is going on. Because personally, when I got corporations and people trying to trick me and pull the wool over my eyes, I'm like, hey, you think you think you're going to you think you're going to do that to me? You think I'm so stupid, I'm just going to fall for your little marketing ploy that you're throwing at me? No. What I like to be thinking is, aha, I see what you're doing. I see what you really have there. You're not fooling me. It's something that isn't good for me. It's going to cost me a lot, and I'm not going to get nothing for it. That's what I want to see. And our Smart Health Talk listeners, that's right. I want you guys to be smart. Keep listening to our show. You know, we're on every Tuesday at 1 o'clock. But we have podcasts on kcaradio.com. 
And of course, you can always, in case you didn't know, I don't know if you're listening to us on 1050 AM or 106.5 FM, because you can listen to FM or AM now. And maybe you got an old car and you can only get AM or you can only get FM. Uh, I'm missing an antenna on my car. So I can only get so many stations. But uh, you have your choice of AM or FM with KCAA. And I tell you, we tell it straight here. We are not influenced by corporate money and told what to say and what we can't say. No, we bring you the truth that you're not going to hear other places. And we are on top of the latest that's happening. And you may have may have heard the GMO. Are you there, Brandon? Uh, did, did did we find that one invincible song for everybody? Okay, let's do it. This is what we figured out. Like our dollars. right invincible because you choose how to spend that dollar you choose how to give it who you're going to give it to so you are invincible that's right and you know what when we start getting a little down on ourselves, what are we going to do can you play find that Aaliyah song for me and I hope you remember Aaliyah she was she was so incredibly beautiful and such a musician and I just get so upset when I think about it but I love her music that's right. And we go for it again. We don't get dead. We don't let these things get us down. No way. We do not let this these life get us down. We do not let these people trying to feed us cheap poison food get us down. No, we get ourselves up and we go find something better. How are we doing on time? Because we need, okay, we're going to get that video of Dr. Uh, Hayes, Ty, Dr. Tyrone Hayes from Berkeley here in uh, just about a minute. So uh, I'm going to probably be saying goodbye to you guys because you'll be listening to the, to my interview with Dr. Hayes here. And I hope that I got gave you a couple things to think about today, and I hope you're feeling a little bit better about yourself, a little bit more confident. You're going to make that organic choice. When you have a choice, choose organic people. Sometimes it's the same cost, and you can have organic, no pesticides, none of these poisons in your food. Please choose organic and call your vector department. Look up and find who your vector department is and call them and say you do not want your house sprayed and call the state and the county both because they're going to be coming to spray our homes with pesticides really soon. And thank you so much for choosing Smart Health Up. And I hope you're going to come and join me on YouTube or, you know, one of my social media. All right. Take care. And I want you healthy and happy. Okay. All right. Brandon, you there? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know. All the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Can we play uh, Dr. Dr. Hayes for me? Thanks. Bye. Well, um, you mentioned, uh, and this is something that I've heard uh, people ask me uh, about the frogs being able to turn into female frogs, and I thought, well, let's just go ahead and take that on right off the bat, because uh, a lot of people seem to think this, that frogs, that's like a normal type of behavior for a frog to turn, a male frog to turn into a female frog. Uh, Is that normal? That is not normal. That does not occur. I'll, I'll tell you where that comes from because I, I used to get this question a lot. Um, frogs are what are called gonochoristic. Males are males and females are females. There are fish that are naturally hermaphroditic and there are species of fish that can change from a male to a female um, and vice versa. There are no frogs, no amphibians that are known to do this. But I can tell you where that idea comes from. Jurassic Park. Oh, really? So, Rats, if you read the book or see the movie, they, they supposedly filled in the dinosaur DNA with frog DNA, and they make a statement in the book and in the movie that frogs naturally change sex, and supposedly that was the premise for why the dinosaurs changed sex and started breeding in Jurassic Park. <laughs> so that's, that's where most people get that idea from, that, that it's really it's been spread through the science fiction literature. Well, that's too bad because I like it when television and movies actually help to educate people with, <laughs> with like real facts and not made up ones yeah. <laughs> that kind of fits into the movie. Now, um, you say that it uh, it feminizes and it just it's a hormone disruptor. Now, people hear that, and I'm sure a lot of them it's kind of like in one ear and out the other. They're like, okay, hormone disruptor, but is that really such a bad thing? Uh, what, what does it mean when something is a hormone disruptor? What is it doing inside of our body? Well, you know, I always say, I always point out to people that we make intentional hormone disruptors that can end up in the environment. So, for example, if you're using chemical birth control, that's a synthetic hormone that's designed to manipulate your hormones and to manipulate your physiology, in this case, so that you don't get pregnant. Um, things like hydrocortisone cream, these uh, creams that are, endocrine disruptors that are specifically designed to reduce your immune function. For example, if you have an allergy or if you um, get a heart or tissue transplant and you need to knock down your immune Mm. system, that's an intentional endocrine disruptor. Um, Even to some extent, aspirin and Tylenol is an intentional endocrine disruptor because it's knocking out the hormones that cause you pain. So we've we've known that we can invent chemicals um, that, that are endocrine or hormone disruptors. 
Um, the, or insulin, for example, synthetic insulin, you might consider a pharmaceutical intentional hormone disruptor. Right? And, and didn't aspirin come from a, a, a tree? Aspirin's a natural product, comes from the willow. White, white willow bark, yeah, white willow yeah. bark, yeah. yeah. Um, the problem is when, you, when these chemicals, even if they're intentional, for example, ethanol estradiol birth control pill can end up in water supplies in the same way that an estrogen mim- mimics our estrogen as humans and manipulates our reproductive physiology, it can unintentionally disrupt the uh, reproductive development and function of exposed wildlife, a fish, for example, or anything that goes off and drinks water that's contaminated with ethanol estradiol. And the problem is compounded by um, chemicals like atrazine, which aren't designed to be endocrine disruptors, but unintentionally, in addition to atrazine as a weed killer, it kills plants, but it has this other function where it causes this reproductive toxicology. And when you have such widespread use, you know, we're using something like 80 million pounds of atrazine per year in the U.S. alone. Um, DDT was another example that DDT mimics estrogen, among other things. And when people and animals are exposed, can lead to increased breast cancer or, um, you know, other types of endocrine disrupting effects. That is what becomes problematic. Well, and, and so it actually makes the testosterone uh, drop and estrogen increase in, in these frogs. Is that what you saw when you were testing them? Not just in frogs. Atrazine incre- or decreases atrazine decreases testosterone in fish, amphibians, reptiles, birds, and mammals, including lab rats. And atrazine increases estrogen in fish, reptiles, birds and mammals including human cell lines rats and human cell lines while we're using this in the united states what does the rest of the world think about atrazine uh atrazine um in in 2000 i believe was banned by the european union and uh and, and it's not used in all of europe the irony being that the company novartis now syngenta is based in basel switzerland uh so we're using 80 million pounds of a chemical that's not even allowed in europe um, it's been banned in a few other countries, and you know if the EPA continues and has any teeth, it'll be banned in the U.S. But the European Union banned atrazine, you know, well over ten years ago. And so the company knows from your research what their what their product does to people and you know animals, the environment, and yet they're okay with selling it. Well, you know, I, I, there are several things. I, I have to tread lightly here because the lawyer likes it. In fact, I have one of his letters, one of his <laughs> letters hanging up above my desk. Um, the, the, I, I can tell you that the company knew before my research. I think that's why I was hired in the first place. There were conversations around the room when I was working. I was hired by the company, contracted. There were conversations about the adverse effects of atrazine before I even started my research. So they knew. And I mean, I was told by key players. That they, that they knew this going in. And, and the company themselves have published papers showing that atrazine disrupted androgen and estrogen and progesterone, the pregnancy hormone, in rats. So they already knew this. And, and the scary thing, the really unethical uh, thing that, that strikes me is, again, the company knew that atrazine was bad. Um, but in, this, in the same year, in 2000, when they discovered that atrazine induced estrogen production, uh, the company Novartis, in that same year, before they split and became Novartis and Syngenta, started selling a breast cancer treatment that did exactly the opposite, that blocked estrogen production. 
So, you know, so some people in the company must have known, hey, we're making the pesticide, this weed killer that turns on estrogen, and we're also selling chemical that turns off estrogen to treat breast cancer. And I give you another idea of, uh, I mean, of sort of unethical things. I can read to you from their notes, which are now published since a um, court case was settled. When atrazine was banned in, in Europe in, in 2000, Shortly after, in 2002, I believe, in their own company notes, they write that this chemical, TBA, terbutazine, and I'm, I'm reading from their handwritten notes, may be a bit more potent than atrazine. So one, they're admitting that atrazine does something. They wrote, TBA may be a bit more potent than atrazine. Lower doses cause same effects. And then they went on to say that it causes testicular cancer um, and uh, uh, uh Let's see, because I want to read directly because there are lawyers and write me a, a good little note that it causes testicular cancer and mammary tumors in rats. This is the chemical that they then, in that same year, released in Europe to replace atrazine. So these people are sitting in a room saying, okay, atrazine has these adverse effects. This chemical TBA does the same at lower doses, but less released in Europe. And that's in their own writing. So. So in layman's terms, um, the notes that you just read, what, how would you simplify what, um, what that says? I know, I know you wanted to stick with their words. Um, is there well, another way to say it? That they're knowingly releasing a chemical into the environment that they know is associated that can cause testicular cancer and mammary cancers, and it does the same as atrazine. So it's not like they sat around a table and said, oh, we've discovered now that atrazine has these really negative effects on, on the environment, on animals and humans, let's get rid of it. They said, okay, it's been banned now. Let's release a chemical that we know is even worse. How, how do you, that, and this goes beyond the science, how do you as a person make that decision at work and then go home to your, you know, to your family and to your kids and go, okay, I just condemned somebody else's kids and the environment to exposure to this chemical that I know is bad. And, and and when is the isn't the um, the baby that's in the womb isn't that when they're the most susceptible? I've often argued that a developing human fetus trapped in a contaminated amniotic fluid is no different than one of my tadpoles trapped in a contaminated pond or a contaminated aquarium, because chemicals like atrazine cross the placenta, and in the same way that my tadpole in a contaminated pond can't get away, the fetus can't get away. And we make and use the same hormones as fish and amphibians do. So in the same way that atrazine depletes testosterone and increases estrogen in fish and amphibians, it does the same thing in mammals, including humans. And we know from rats, there are studies by the EPA that shows that if you feed a rat atrazine when she's pregnant, her sons will be born with the prostate of an old man. Her sons are born with prostate disease. The daughters are born with poor mammary gland development. So we know these effects are occurring across generations. And there's correlational studies showing that atrazine exposure during pregnancy humans is associated with birth defects like gastrothesis, where the intestines are born on the out, where the baby's born with the intestines on the outside of its body, coenal atresia, where the baby will have a hole in its, in its face, where the nasal and oral cavity don't close up, um, and can be born with the males that are exposed in the womb are born with genital malformations that are identical with malformations you see when a baby is depleted of androgen or exposed to excess estrogen. So it, it's really kind of doing the math. When you, when you take away these hormones that are, are critical for development, 
you, you have to know that there's going to be a side effect of that. And I, I, I've had an experience interviewing someone that for 25 years has been studying wildlife in Montana and doing autopsies. Her husband's a ranger and they have a vulture sanctuary, so they, he picks up roadkill. Hmm. And he would bring it home, and I can share that, that link with you, but the pictures are just very disturbing where they have um, extreme malformations in overbites, she said, yeah. she said that she found um, micropenises. She said they used to make fun of the squirrels because they had big ones, <laughs> she said, and they don't have big ones anymore. And she said that they were born without testes um, and uh, even like they were misshapen, uh, pointing different ways. Uh, so pretty, they can't chew. They can't have sex. <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's very upsetting. And the birds even with uh, tumors and... So I, I, atrazine is like something that's found in water more than any other pesticide. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. It's the most commonly detected pesticide in rainwater, groundwater, drinking water, you name it. How, how, come, how come atrazine is found in water more than any other pesticide? Uh, there are a couple of reasons. One, we use so much of it. It's the second most widely used pesticide, uh, second only to glyphosate or Roundup. And two, it's very highly water-soluble. And um, it's also very persistent, so it doesn't degrade very readily depending on the, on the uh, environmental circumstances. It doesn't very readily degrade. So it can brown. The last time I saw a talk in France, it had been banned for a decade, and it was still around in, at, in the aquifers, even though they weren't using it there. And, it, I, yeah, there was – I saw this one really shocking statistic that it was like here that uh, some farmers could actually use – levels that were 200 million times higher than we're using in the laboratory? Is that, uh, that, does that sound right? Um, I don't have the data in front of me, but um, I, I think the number is 240 million times. That, and that is the application rate, the range that's recommended for atrazine use, can be up to 240 million times what we're using in the laboratory. Because we get effects at point, well, depending on the effect, we get some effects at 0.1 parts per billion and the recommended application rate goes up to 240 parts per billion, I believe. Um, so, yeah. Well, I, you know, as I read through some of the results that you got from your research, and then you look at some of the behavior and some of the things happening in society, uh, reproductive health, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the amount of diseases that we're seeing that have to do with the reproductive system, uh, then uh, see what were some of the other things I was thinking. Well, let's just like uh, take that for example, where we the oh well actually you know we we think that maybe uh, people that are homosexual are coming out more and we're finding out we're finding more of the people that way because they feel more comfortable about coming out. But do you think that there could be this feminization of the males, that there could be a link uh, between the use of this atrazine and people's sexual orientation? That's a complicated question. <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought that was a toughie. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I mean, it's complicated for both scientific reasons, and it's also complicated for both sociopolitical reasons. Um, the scientific reasons are that across geographies and cultures and time, it's, it's, it's difficult, at least I don't know of the numbers, to show whether or not there's an increase or, as you said, whether or not 
just more people are more comfortable. And the example I use to express that is I grew up in South Carolina. I've been in California for almost 30 years. And I know... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I can name for you 10 people, for example, who's undergone um, uh, transsexual or transition, um, both male to female and female to male. And And I know people that range everywhere from some of my daughter's friends, so who went through transitions as teenagers to some of the parents of my daughter's friends, to some of my coworkers, to graduate students, to undergraduates, to professors who've under, undergone transgender operations or transitions. And so it rains, so it's, so it's not an age thing. I, I know people from my kid's age to older than I am, to retired professors. I know nobody in South Carolina. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that there's greater exposure in California or does that mean that there's greater acceptance or more people do? So it's really hard to say what the trends really are and it's really hard to link that you know but again you might argue california is an agricultural state that uses more pesticides than any other state so you might argue there's a connection but we just don't have the science for me to to comfortably and responsibly say that now that being said i have a graduate student and we have been studying how atrazine affects behavior and we have shown we're about to submit a paper for publication now that male exposed frogs that are exposed exposed developmentally, have a higher tendency to display what we're calling homosexual behavior. And so if you asked me, do I think it's scientifically plausible that exposure to a chemical or exposure to anything that induces a hormone imbalance would predispose you to, to um, gender transitions or to homosexual behavior? Absolutely, I think. We know that hormones wire the brain. Uh, that that your sexual identity is not just it's not genetic. Um, it, genes may be involved, but we know that hormone exposure is incredibly important for whether or not you identify and whether or not you behave, quote unquote, as male or female. So, would a chemical that interferes with that balance potentially have that effect? I don't think any scientist would. Any scientist is not paid by the chemical industry. <laughs> I don't think they disagree. Do we have the evidence to show that in humans now? I would I would say no. Is, is it possible? Is it probable? Probable? I would say yes, but we don't have the evidence that that would make me comfortable enough in saying that. Even though uh, some of your research, uh, where you you took the atrazine exposed frogs and put them in with a control frog that had not been exposed to atrazine, that the atrazine exposed frogs uh, didn't seem too interested in the females, and normally they would never get the girl. That's correct. So it, it's, it's a very clear that atrazine um, eliminates male behavior. And even if they're alone with the females, they don't display male reproductive behavior. They have a very low success, even if there's no competition. And in our unpublished data, many of those males actually show a tendency to behave as a female, to allow themselves and maybe even to solicit matings from other males. Um, but that's under controlled conditions where we know exactly what they were exposed to. And the behavior is very simple. Human behavior is much more complicated, and there's a much more complicated social context to, to whether or not you display the behavior or 
even if you have that tendency, whether or not you act on it. You know what I mean? So whereas frogs don't, you know, there's no such thing as frogs on the down low. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm just, I'm picturing them, you know. (laughs) Hey, man, did you check out that guy over that new frog that just came <laughs> so, um, well, I, an easier question. I, I saved this one for the second one because I thought it was easier because it's it's probably more something that you could actually measure, mm-hmm. and that's fertility. Because it seems to me, as a dietitian, that we didn't have all these fertility clinics and people that were having trouble having babies uh, the way we have today. Are you seeing uh, actual numbers? Uh, related to fertility, where you're seeing that there are changes, where there are more people that are infertile, because that's a really expensive thing. Yeah. When you have to go to fertility clinic, whoo, you're talking like fifty grand or something to get pregnant. Well, and, that, and that's one that that I can speak to more directly because we do have the data. So there's uh, uh, data in in northern Europe. A guy named Schackenbach, uh, Schackenbach has produced the data showing that. Sperm count has steadily gone down every generation. So we have hard data that human fertility, that sperm count, has decreased over 50-plus years. And we also have correlative data showing, for example, Shauna Swan did some studies showing that uh, men who have atrazine in their urine have lower sperm counts and lower fertility and more difficulties with getting their wives pregnant in a study that she did in Columbia, Missouri. So we have direct evidence, and we have rat studies that show that if you uh, I can't hear you. I, uh, I, I couldn't hear that last thing you said. If you could repeat it. Oh, and we have experimental data showing that if you give a rat atrazine, sperm count declines precipitously in response to atrazine. That, that's been produced in the laboratory. And we have similar data in fish, amphibians, birds, and reptiles showing that atrazine causes sperm to decline. So that I feel confident in saying that atrazine very seriously adversely affects male reproductive development because it's been shown experimentally in fish, amphibians, and reptiles, and birds, and lab rats, and it's correlated with the decline in sperm count in humans. So that I feel confident that atrazine is maybe not the only chemical, and maybe not the only factor, but atrazine is, appears to be playing a very strong role in the loss in male fertility. Well, and I know it's, it's kind of a weird thing to talk about, but I am a dietitian, so I'm okay with it. <laughs> But the micropenis issue, and I bring that up because I know that the lady that studied the wildlife, not only did she see um, this, these micropenises in the wildlife, but she said that it was happening to human babies too, and I've heard other stories. And I don't know if that was like kind of a normal thing, but to me, uh, a male, that would be kind of a devastating kind of thing to happen. And even as a parent... Uh, and plus, I, I'm I'm hoping that if people get scared of it, maybe they would like try try a yeah. little bit harder, you know, because if it's a real thing, they should know. And people don't want to talk about it because it's kind of embarrassing. But um, if it's a real thing, I want people to know about it. Yeah. Well, um, that's another one that I feel much more confident in speaking about um, because atrazine does, and, and I'm looking for the study now so I can tell you the authors. But atrazine does decreased testosterone, and as, and as I'm sure you know, testosterone is necessary for male genital development. Um, sorry, let me just pull it. No, go ahead, and if you want to look it yeah. up, uh, I, can, so, I can cut it out. So, Yeah, so at- atrazine decreases androgens and increases estrogens, and both of those things we know will decrease, uh, affect male genital development, too little androgen or too much estrogen. Again, we have experimental evidence 
where atrazine in fish and in frogs and in reptiles and in mammals decreases male development. And in fact, there's a study in, in reptiles and alligators and caimans showing that they come out with really small penises when, when microphallus, micropenis, when these reptiles are exposed to atrazine. And there's a study uh, that was done at the Baylor College of Medicine. Uh, the first author is Agopian, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but this study showed that atrazine was correlated with micropenis, hypospadias, where the urethra doesn't end all the way through the penis, and cryptorchidism, where the testicles don't descend in the scrotum. They showed that atrazine was correlated with these types of male genital malformations. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just... You know, their, their conclusion in their study was our results provide further evidence of a suspected teratogenic role of atrazine. They showed specifically uh, that there were consistent associations between medium-low and or medium levels of maternal residential atrazine exposure and every male genital mal malformation category evaluated. So there's, there's hard data to show that atrazine is causing this problem, and there's a consistent mechanism that's reproducible in experimental laboratory studies. Why, why is it... Why does it affect males more than females? I think that's mostly because, well, I think there are two reasons for that. One is I think it's mostly because of the mechanism that you decrease androgens and you increase estrogens. And females already have higher levels of estrogen. And so in our frogs, I, you know, I had, a, I had an undergraduate student, um, uh, Faye Pond, who said, how come we never study the females? And I said, well, because females already have estrogen. And so it's hard to show that a little bit more estrogen is having an adverse effect. So that's part of the reason is the mechanism. Um, alternatively, however, there are effects on females, like, for example, mammary tumors are increased with atrazine in rats. And there's at least one study that associates mammary tumors with atrazine exposure in human females because mammary tumors or breast cancer is estrogen dependent. Um, and also the birth defects and the problems with, with you know, Carrying the baby to term, atrazine induces abortions. For example, um, that's been shown by the EPA. By wow, stories. That that's heavy duty. Now, one of the one of the uh, results that you got from your test, um, I think it was from your testing, was change in the in the larynx mm -hmm. uh, tissue. Now, um, I'm I'm wondering about like first of all, like you know, you hear commercials, low T, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, but I don't know if they like really go, I don't think they really go into, okay, if you have low T, what are the side effects of that? And then I was also, um, in the same question, I was wondering about the larynx tissue because uh, in males, you know, in the teen years is when your voice changes. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if maybe some of these uh, males that are exposed never go through that voice change. So, for, yeah, like, like what happens when you when you have low testosterone in your body, even when you're, you know, at different stages of growth, but then also um, how is that impacting the voice change? That's correct. So we so we have seen morphology, morphologically the voice box of these animals, which looks if you're exposed to atrazine, looks more like a female and and that is maintained for life. And I have a student, mine Nguyen, who's been interested in studying, you know, because frogs mate, they attract each other by their voice. The males sing. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why the males sing. So the female, hmm. so if, you're, if your voice box is affected and you don't sing properly, um, you know, then it'll have a big impact on whether or not you can attract a, a female and whether or not you can successfully reproduce. Um, and you're absolutely right. In humans, 
just like in frogs, androgens like testosterone are important. Um, that's why back in the early days, the choir boys, they would castrate them to remove the testosterone so their voice would not change. Effectively, that's what we've done to these frogs by treating them with atrazine is we've, we've removed the testosterone so they don't develop a proper male singing voice, you know, a deep voice. And, and you might expect that similar things would have happened to humans and other animals if you are deprived of testosterone that's so important during those critical times of development. I don't know of any data that have examined that, but, you know, like with the other behavioral question we had, it's certainly plausible that that, that might happen. Well, I've, I've read chemical castration. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, when I think of that, I think of what they used to do to sex offenders uh, that were caught and sent to prison, and they would, like, give them a choice, I guess, before they could get paroled. Uh, if they would agree to be chemically castrated, how does that compare to what atrazine does? I would think that many of the chemicals that they use, most of which I think are reversible for, for that type of procedure, are more um, characterized and more potent at, at doing that than atrazine. And that the chemicals that I know of are either ones that block testosterone from acting or that act on the brain and pituitary to stop the hormone signal to the testes. So it's a different mechanism um, and probably has a longer half-life in the individual. So when you say uh, the babies are born with like old man testes, what, what, what does that mean? Oh, I, I said old man's prostate. So, oh, prostate. Okay. Yeah. So as you age, you are more prone to prostate disease, enlarged prostate, or uh, prostate cancer. So the prostate, whatever reason, starts to enlarge and, and can even cause like you know blockage of urination and things like that in older in older men. So in in rats, when males are exposed in the womb, the male pups are born with the prostate that looks like one of an old man. They're enlarged and 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 you know, experience prostate disease that they normally shouldn't experience for the equivalent of 60 human years. Right? Make some numbers clear because somebody is always watching. So the, the package of atrazine recommends two, application at 2.9 to 29 million parts per billion. Okay. We get effects at 0.1 parts per billion, which means that the application rate can be 290 million times higher than we're using in the laboratory. So that's the statement that I did. I didn't have the numbers in my head, but I just looked it up to make sure. Um, in terms of uh, what people can do, I think one, in their own personal lives, do the best you can to um, avoid using synthetic uh, chemicals and, and pesticides in the, in the home, in, in your personal use. Um, supporting local organic farms is very important as much as you can. I think there's a value in growing whatever you can, even if it's, you know, a couple of pots of tomatoes on your porch, but just getting a better understanding of where your food comes from and what it, what it means to actually grow food, I think is incredibly important to understand the people that are actually growing your food. Um, and I, I think also doing your best to stay informed and inform others and taking advantage of, for what it's worth, the EPA, for example, has you know, comment periods where anybody can write in and give their opinion. Um, so making yourself informed and knowing about those decisions, voting for local and 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 uh, politicians that reflect these ideals, I think is incredibly important. Um, 
I don't know what else I can say. Just no, be- no, those are great. That was a, that was an incredible list. I'm actually going to type all that up. <laughs> I'm going to put it in a graphic and says this is what Dr. Hayes says you should do because uh, that that was a, an excellent list of uh, action steps for people to take and to protect their family because that's you know people protect their family and 